Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Retro Time Podcast. My name is Jeremy. Uh, this week, we have something a little bit different for you. Uh, we're calling this series Retro Time After Hours, and it's uh, time for us to experiment, try some different formats, see what you all think. Uh, before we get into it, uh, Derek and I would love to ask you a favor. Uh, we don't make any money doing this show. We don't have any sponsors. So if you are digging this show and you feel like you're getting something out of it, please, 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 please like and subscribe. Leave a review. Better yet, tell a friend. Share it on your work Slack channel. That'd be pretty awesome. Share it on LinkedIn. Uh, get yourself a sticker at retrotimepodcast.com slash sticker. Slap it on your laptop. Uh, tell all your coworkers. Uh, it will help us way more than you could ever possibly imagine. Uh, so enough of that. Let's get into it. We're calling this series The Retro Time After Hours. And again, we're trying something new. This week, Derek has a tale, a parable, if you will. Uh, you will definitely learn a lesson from this episode, that is for sure. Derek swears that this story is true, and personally, I believe him. But listen, even if it's not true, in the literal sense, you know that it's true in your heart. And that's really what counts, right? So with that said, let's get into it. Derek, take it away. Welcome to the Retro Time Podcast, After Hours. This is your host, Derek Siebert. Jeremy Miller would not be joining us today. This is a solo episode, just for you. In this episode, we're going to talk about a topic near and dear to my heart, stability. And in order to start this discussion, I've decided probably good to start with a story, an anecdote from my personal life. A company that I used to work for, uh, called Little Golden Buttons, um, used to make these delightful little golden buttons. Many different shapes, sizes. They were all gold, but they were absolutely delightful. And I'd love to show you or share with you uh, the website, but unfortunately, it's down right now. And uh, I'd like to take you on a little journey as to how the application became so unstable. So Little Golden Buttons started as a, you know, uh, kind of a startup in the early 2000s, right after Pets.com hit uh, General Grievous, uh, who was actually a, uh, he was in the U.S. Army. He decided to start a, a new company. He, he was fascinated by buttons growing up, buttons on shirts, buttons on coats, uh, even shoes. And old Grievous, uh, he decided that he would start a company specifically to manufacture buttons that he cared about. So he started Little Golden Buttons, or LGB as we called it. And at Little Golden Buttons, we had, uh, you know, we had a small team. He hired me. I was the first engineer. We had a small team of about three or four people. Um, if I remember, there was the lady in the coffee room, and there was the bathroom attendant. Yeah, four. So we had four people and, um, you know, we would, we would just hammer out code. We would try to push it as quickly as we could. We had about five or six customers at the time. We were really, really just scrounging for, uh, for customer base and it was fun. 
it was really, really fun pushing. We pushed all our code straight to production. Um, we interfaced with this one button machine, uh, the Button Master 6000. And uh, we would also send emails and send text messages when your buttons were done. So we had a couple integrations in the system. So the first, the first time, you know, we were really excited about it. We were super, super pumped about how we were working, pushing to production, quick changes. When our, one of our five customers requested something, we would just go fix it and then just push it. So then what happened is we got a big seller. So one of these big outfits, um, I think it was JCPenney, um, started contacting us for buttons, for golden buttons. They became this big thing in the early, mid-2000s. Mid and uh, we were like, whoa, this is, the biggest con this is the biggest contract we've ever had. What are we going to do? So JCPenney was like, look, we need... 500,000 buttons for all of our stores within the span of six months, I think it was. I mean, no, actually, it was like two months. Two months. And we were like, what the heck? How can we, we could, we can't even fathom making that many buttons or even a building a system that can handle ordering that many. Because um, our system was, you know, built to handle, you know, interfacing with the system four at a time, 10 at a time. So, we had a lot of work to do to enter to really speed this process up and the button master 6000 couldn't handle all the new buttons we had to build so we had to upgrade to the button master 20000 and this thing oh, it could pump out a button but all the integrations were different and so what did we have to do we had to start building and changing the system integrating with this new product this new piece and it got a little bit hectic and we made a big mistake in one of the integrations and JCPenney dropped us. We had this 20,000, this Button Master 20,000, JCPenney dropped us. We were, we were about to hit big. And what did our company do? They said, all right, well, there was a problem with the release. We think it was because the developers made a mistake and they didn't test well enough. So we're going to implement a QA environment. You can't push to production anymore with the QA environment and there's going to be a change freeze every single other week so that teams would have time to build what they needed to build and it wouldn't get in the way of any uh, weekly financing that we had to do. And also there were 10 approvals through the process. You had to go through the low, the low develop, we call them low developers, mid developers, high developers, king developers, prince developer, um, he played a guitar and we we started to kind of get really frustrated because as once JCPenney hit all of these smaller companies started hitting us up for buttons and so suddenly we had 10,000 customers who wanted smaller orders of buttons the button master 20,000 could handle it we had the the website was was kind of working it was you know it was kind of clunky it took them a little while to order their buttons and they were kind of frustrated they didn't have a lot of the options that we actually were able to provide um, because the Button Master 20,000 was, whew, it was sweet. So what ended up happening was we got so much feedback from these users, we weren't able to implement it quickly enough because of all these changes we put in place, this process, these change freezes, these approvals, this lack of trust to push to production because we made this big mistake with JCPenney. So what happened? Well, this comes to why well, the website's down right now, actually. 
I left the company and I actually knew how the whole thing worked. So I was able to restart it and get everything fixed, but I didn't tell the people who left every little piece. I documented some of it, but most of it was kind of still in my head. So I left, system degraded, all their processes got put in place. They didn't attract new customers because they couldn't implement the features fast enough. They even had an idea for blue buttons. Yeah, you heard me right. Blue. Imagine a blue button. I mean, you have a gold button, imagine a blue button. So that would have been big. Um, and when I was working there, the the CEO, Old Grievous, he started to have these crazy wild ideas about what he wanted the application to do. We need to integrate with a ribbon machine. You need to send... Uh, he would say, he'd, he would say, we need to build buttons for, for giant ribbons that fly on planes. He was just a nutcase. So Grievous got his way. He, um, we would work on those initiatives and focus on those, implement through change freezes and lots and lots of approvals. It was frustrating as hell, but we did it. And websites down right now, I think they lost, uh, you know, all the other big button companies, uh, Buttons R Us, Button Max, um, all those companies are huge right now. But, you know, Little Golden Buttons is is just floundering. They had the original idea to build the one button company. And uh, that's what happened. So what, what was I trying to get at with that story, which is 100% true. Um, that whole story is true. Um, the point is, is that they thought their system was stable. They thought their system was stable because they prevented people from changing it. That is not how stability works. Stability is part of how quickly and safely you can change your product. If you could change it faster, your application becomes more stable. Because if you think about it, what is inevitable? Something goes wrong. Something wants, somebody wants a change in production. Somebody sees the application. They say, oh, I want this widget over here. Well, in order to change that widget, we need to have a, a boardroom meeting that takes, you know, four hours. We can, we, we can only schedule it two weeks from now. After that, we need to plan. And after planning, it's like, but I just want you to move the widget. Just move the widget. Just move it. Big companies use data for that now. So they see who clicks where and who does what so they can make data-driven decisions and implement them quickly. Bigger companies do this. The Googles of the world, the Amazons of the world, they don't have quite as many controls involved in pushing changes to their production environments. And you may be thinking, whoa, 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 what if something goes wrong? Imagine the space of time between when you have a need for a change, whether it's a new idea or a fix, and when you can actually push it to production. Imagine that space being minutes. Now, imagine that space being seconds. If you could take your idea and the gap between when you come up with the change and can implement and put it into production is so minuscule that it doesn't really matter if you push a fix that breaks something. You can just push another fix to fix it. It becomes low risk. That creates trust in your customer base. Now, you may be thinking too, all right, case of little golden buttons, had we done that, like we lost JCPenney, but they started to build a customer base. They made a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. They should have pulled back and thought, what did we do? How could we have supported them in a way? Like, what, are, what part of our practices made this happen as opposed to um, implementing a bunch of processes to slow the change, in, uh, to slow changes 
uh, into production. So that is my thesis on stability. I feel like a lot of folks, they have a, a view on it where stability means nothing changes. I kind of see it as stability means safe rapid change. The thing I want to talk about next is safety. So how do you safely do things quickly? Because we've been told safety means, you know, make sure everybody sees it. Make sure it has lots of testing. Make sure you test for weeks. Um, if, if, you, if you say with naively automation is the answer, then you're going to scare a lot of people because they think automation is so hard. It's so hard to implement automation that can actually make quick changes safer. They think it's so hard, but it's not. It's really not. If you target exactly what you want to automate, specifically testing, there are great tools that can do, if you have a web application, browser-based testing, a video game, automated testing through your video game, you know, if you use Unity or something, um, desktop applications, great point-and-click macro-type testers um, for your code specifically. Um, you can write unit tests, integration tests. Let's say you wanted to integrate with the Button Master 6000 and 20000 to make sure you didn't have any, you didn't have any backwards compatibility issues. Um, the other thing, the last thing I want to talk about a little bit is, uh, is interfaces. So where, <clears throat> where we sometimes go wrong is we think of, we build our software very similar to how firmware is built on, on, on hardware devices. So, uh, like I'm recording right now using, um, <clears throat> an, inter an audio interface and that interface has firmware in it. That's very specific to the interface itself. Well, let's say I wanted to start recording with a different interface. Should my computer need to be updated? Or should the new interface operate with the same protocols? That protocol layer, that interface layer, is something designed for interoperability. In your systems, if you have layers of code, interface layers, not you know necessarily object-oriented interfaces, but uh, layers of code in between what like the specific things you want to do. Let's say you have a, uh, a, a file called um, uh, print, print with uh, Button Master 6000. And you have another file called print with Button Master 20,000. If you had a interface that was simply print with uh, button machine, okay, that could be an, a, a way you could switch out at some point, which button master you want to do, but, but use and, and change the implementation only in one place. Um, so the rest of your code can be, you know, real nice and clean, and you only have to change one thing. Uh, the, the concept there is uh, inversion of dependencies. So when you introduce an interface in between two things, you invert the dependency between them, because now they're both dependent on this interface, you see? Um, so that's a little code thing for you nerds out there. You know you are. Um, so, you know, so that's, that's really it. I think this uh, concept really is a, uh, was eye-opening to me as I worked through uh, many of my jobs in the past where we were 
try to try to as much as we could not change production systems. We would become fearful. Uh, and one of the things that uh, one of the interesting think, uh, quotes that I've heard, Martin Fowler, um, he's a blogger. Uh, I think he I think he still works for ThoughtWorks, um, the company. And he said that if it hurts, do it more often. So that might be a paraphrase more than a quote. If it hurts, do it more often. So if you don't like deployments, if deployments are stressful for you, you need to be doing them more because it will create the ability for you to, um, it will, you'll, you'll basically iron out your own process. You may start with writing a checklist for all the things you need to do. Realize that that checklist is pretty similar every time you deploy. Well, why are we waiting to deploy? If we deploy small things, small set of things, the chance of things breaking is actually smaller because it's a smaller set of things we're actually pushing. If we deploy a lot of things, the chance we miss something in our testing or in our validation, which we, you know, we have to do as we build things, is higher because a lot of things are changing at once. The checklist could become an automated script. That automated script could become even more sophisticated, actually automating a lot of things, your testing, your deployments, your, um, you know, everything. Uh, your, even your standing up of your environments and spinning things down and all this kind of stuff. Um, so it's something to think about. Well, all I really want you to take away from this is that the, the stability of your systems doesn't mean they don't change. If anybody tells you, hey, we need to keep the system stable, don't change it over this period of time. If your company has change freezes, these are symptoms um, that, are, that are keeping your, your actual whole company from keeping up with the market. And it's unfortunate that a lot of companies do this because of fear. Fear, it's, this is an age-old problem, fear, you know, uh, has, has caused this to really permeate. So anyway, um, buttons, stability. I hope this was helpful for you. And um, I hope you have a wonderful day or evening or night, whatever time it is where you are. And thank you. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter, RetroTimePod, RetroTimePodcast.com. You can also hit us up on LinkedIn, RetroTimePodcast, um, or you know, send us an email, retrotimepodcast at gmail.com. Appreciate you. You have a good one. Take it easy. General Grievous.